Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's May 25th, 2020, and that means there's seven months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll talk about the life and career of the Golden Voice Christmas crooner, Nat King Cole. We've also got the top five inspirational Christmas quotes, we'll put some Christmas all up in your face, and you'll help us decide who sang Nat's legendary holiday hit Christmas song the best. Okay, let's start the show. Merry May, you believers. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I have a brief announcement before we start the show. You may have noticed I didn't mention our made-for-podcast Christmas movie, A Bomb for Christmas, in the intro. Unfortunately, we won't be getting to the second part of the story in this episode. Uh, we had a death in the family recently. My mother-in-law passed away, and I didn't feel it was the right time to make my wife perform for the show. Uh, not to bring things down right at the beginning, but I did want to acknowledge the passing of my mother-in-law. Uh, she was a wonderful mother-in-law to me, made me feel very welcome in this family. She was a great nana for my two boys, and she will be missed very much. Regrettably, she was the one member of our immediate family I never had on the show, but apparently she was a big fan of Nat King Cole, which is why we'll be talking about him a little later on today. She deserves a much better tribute than this, but I want to take this opportunity to say we miss you, Dania, and remind everybody to please wash your hands and maintain social distancing. Okay, working off the assumption that my mother-in-law is listening to this in the afterlife, I'm going to try and put on the best show that I can, and to do that... I have to awkwardly switch gears and go back to the usual goofiness of our show. And so I'm going to go straight on to our first segment because, especially today, we need a little Christmas. Now. We need a little Christmas now. Face masks. Most places are requiring that you wear them now. I don't want to get involved in the debate over whether or not you should or you shouldn't. Some other podcast can deal with that. I'm just accepting the prophetic words from the technical Christmas movie, The Princess Bride. Were you wearing a mask? Were you burning the acid or something like that? Oh no, it's just they're terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. Who knew that was going to turn out to be true? So I thought, if we're wearing masks anyway, do we have to wear plain ones? Turns out the answer is no. We've released a few masks with Christmas designs in the official Can't Wait for Christmas podcast store. We've got one that says, do not open till Christmas, so when you put it on, you look a lot like Pluto at the end of that cartoon, Pluto's Christmas Tree. But you won't look enough like Pluto to constitute copyright infringement. Huh? You definitely want to avoid that. Right you are, imaginary listener that sounds kind of like Mickey Mouse, but for copyright reasons is definitely not Mickey Mouse. But that's not our only mask design. One of the downsides of wearing a mask is that no one can tell if you're smiling. So we've added the smiles of our official cartoon Santa and Snowman so you can borrow their smiles when you're out and about. Now, I should note that these are not medical-grade masks. We should leave those for all the medical professionals out there working so hard to keep us healthy. No, these are cloth masks, which are washable and also include a slot to insert a disposable mask inside for an extra layer of filter protection. 
which you can also add to your cart when you order. I actually just use coffee filters in my mask because I bought a bunch of coffee filters that don't fit our coffee maker a while back, and I've just been holding on to them. So now I found a use for them because they say that also helps if you put that in your face mask, that also helps uh, filter out stuff. So I'm like, oh. I'm using these coffee filters, I guess. So these Christmas masks are all at our official store at Zazzle.com slash Can't Wait for Christmas, or you can find a direct link in the show notes. So grab one of these masks, and hopefully when you're out and about, the only thing you'll be spreading is Christmas cheer. (laughs) That's really cheesy. Do we have, we didn't bother writing another line? We're just going to stick with that? All right. Well, now it's time to move on to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. Christmas inspires the best in us, in our mood, in our actions, and in our words. A lot of great things have been said about Christmas by people way more eloquent than me. So I scoured the web for some good Christmas quotes to fill your heart stocking with Christmas inspiration. Now, fair warning, these quotes can pretty much stand on their own, but I feel like I can't just say them without some commentary, so apologies in advance if it sounds like I'm mansplaining these Christmas quotes. Okay, here we go. Number five. What is Christmas? It is the tenderness of the past, courage for the present, and hope for the future. This quote is from Agnes M. Paro. I didn't know much about her, so I did some searching and found a website of one of her grandchildren. It says Agnes Paro was a talented artist and writer, as well as a terrific grandmother. But she is best known for the above Christmas quote. If you do a Google search for Agnes Paro, you will come up with over 50 pages of links. Nearly all of those links have the above Christmas quote. So I think it's kind of cool that some sweet old grandma got famous for defining Christmas in such a poetic way. Number four. I don't think Christmas is necessarily about things. It's about being good to one another. This quote comes from writer, actress, and princess-turned-general Carrie Fisher. When I was searching for good Christmas quotes and I stumbled upon this one, I was like, of course I'm putting Princess Leia on my list. Number three. And that, of course, is the message of Christmas. We are never alone. Not when the night is darkest, the wind coldest, the world seemingly the most indifferent. This is a quote from novelist Taylor Caldwell. I like it because it kind of brings you back to the roots of Christmas, a light in dark times to bring us hope. Like, yes, the days are getting shorter and colder, but we're celebrating because we know there are better days ahead. This may be our last hurrah before the dead of winter hits, but it's not our last hurrah ever. Number two. Christmas is most truly Christmas when we celebrate it by giving the light of love to those who need it most. This Ruth Carter Stapleton quote is a good reminder that while the focus of most Christmas celebrations is gifts and feasts and family, it's what we do for the less fortunate among us that really brings out the heart of the holiday. May you never be too grown up to search the skies on Christmas Eve. I couldn't find the author on this one, but I thought it was a sweet idea because keeping that excited little kid alive inside you is a great thing, especially around Christmas time. Oh, and I have one more honorable mention. This one's from Bing Crosby. Did somebody call me? Hey, alleged ghost of Bing Crosby. I was actually just going to read a Christmas quote of yours. Why don't you just let me handle that, baby? Uh, Sure, go for it. Unless we make Christmas an occasion to share our blessings, all the snow in Alaska won't make it white. Pretty good. You see, it's referencing a song I sang. Yes. You see, I had this song called White Christmas. It was actually quite popular. Ghost Bing, we all know about White Christmas. Oh, am I over-explaining the obvious? Kind of like you've been doing for this whole list? Yikes. Has it been that bad? A little bit, baby. Well, too late to change course now. Let's plow ahead to... Number one! Probably the reason we all go so haywire at Christmas time with the endless, unrestrained, and often silly buying of gifts is that we don't quite know how to put our love into words. This is a great quote from Harlan Miller. People like to bemoan the commercialization of Christmas, but let's not forget why we started giving these gifts in the first place. It was to express our love and appreciation for the ones that we love. 
Am I just trying to justify the marketing machine that Christmas has become? Maybe. But you can't deny that there is great truth in Harlan Miller's quote. The only problem is, I couldn't find out who Harlan Miller is. I mean, there's a Harlan Miller who's a football player in the XFL, but I don't think he came up with this particular quote. I'm not saying he couldn't, I'm just saying I don't think he did. There was also a writer and artist named Harlan Miller, but I don't think this quote belongs to him either. I did find something about a newspaper columnist in Iowa named Harlan Miller, and that may be who wrote this quote, but whoever it is, thank you for not only that quote, but this other one, also attributed to Harlan Miller, that could just as well be a mission statement for this podcast. I wish we could put some of the Christmas spirit in jars and open a jar of it every month. That's practically what this show is. And that's my list. Got any Christmas quotes that fill you with inspiration? Let us know. Shoot me an email at christmas at tancast.com. And now it's time for perhaps my favorite segment of all the ones we do on this show, feedback from our last show. Messages from listeners everywhere. Feedback on our last show. Last time we did a salute to the United States Post Office, and one of the things I talked about was what is a good gift to get your mail carrier. I pointed out that I was pretty sure we had a listener or two who worked for the post office who might like to weigh in on this topic. And thankfully, I was right. Like this letter we got from Todd, who's the host of the Christmas Clatter podcast. He says... Thanks for the USPS episode. As a carrier, I've received anything from cards, cash, gift cards, socks, gloves, to peanuts, and some things I better not list. Once I received a box of old Valentine's Day candy from an elderly customer. It was probably the best gift, because she was battling the early onset of dementia, and the Christmas joy on her face as she gave it to me was gift enough. The carriers I know don't care what the gift is. We just love being remembered at Christmas time. Thanks, Todd, and congratulations on recently celebrating the one-year anniversary of Christmas Clatter. See, Todd is delivering the mail and Christmas spirit. We also got another note from another mail carrier who wishes to remain anonymous, so we'll just call him or her Cliff Clavin from Cheers. This is your friendly letter carrier listener. Love today's podcast. Each office is different as to how the rules are enforced. My office has always had a don't ask, don't tell policy, which means most have received cash gifts but aren't advertising it. While cards are nice, it's also nice if there's a gift as well. I love gift cards. One of my favorite gifts came from an older couple who didn't have a lot. The gentleman apologized that they couldn't afford much, so they wanted to give me something of their own. It was a set of two small brass deer, one a little bigger than the other. Homemade food gifts are good if you know your customer. Um, to put it delicately, you want to be comfortable with the person's cleanliness standards. It all comes down to we all like to feel appreciated, and for most, it's the thought that counts. Thanks for all that you do, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Thank you, Cliff. I hope you know you are appreciated. That goes for you too, Todd. Speaking of feeling appreciated, Tony wrote in with this note that says, You've got me in tears over here. I've been a postal employee for 15 years, and now is a crucial time for us. Thank you for bringing some attention to our plight. Tony, thank me. Running my mouth about the postal service is pretty much the definition of the least I could do. Thank you for all you folks do at the USPS. Now, I also think it's important to acknowledge that the U.S. Postal Service aren't the only ones out there working to deliver Christmas and beyond. Thankfully, there's this comment from Glenn who says, Canada also has had record numbers with its postal service lately. With more people staying at home, the postal service is reaching Christmas-level deliveries, mostly packages for stuff ordered online. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Glenn. I'm sure that's true of a lot of countries around the world right now, but as a typical American, I always have my head stuck firmly in my American way of thinking. Thanks for reminding me that there are plenty of hardworking people beyond my borders. Lastly, I have a note from Leslie. Ah, uh, did you pick her letter to read last just so you could say it like that? No. Hmm. Anyway, Leslie wrote in with an idea that might be too good. She says, Season's greetings, Tim. Thank you for your wonderful show. It's such a highlight in my podcast feed every month. You're welcome. Thank you. 
While listening to your latest episode celebrating the USPS, an idea struck me. You mentioned purchasing stamps to help fund the post office now, and then we'd be ready to go in December for Christmas cards. Well, why wait? Many of us are social distancing, self-isolating, and missing the company of others. Plus, it's always fun to get mail. What if we organize a Christmas card exchange pen pal program? Listeners could submit their name and address and how many Christmas cards they were interested in sending out to other fellow listeners. It would be a fun way to support the post office, spread Christmas cheer, and add some fun to an uncertain time. Thanks, Leslie. That's a super fun-sounding idea. My only concern is, in this time of digital security and all that, I feel really nervous asking for people's addresses. Like, even when you guys send me your addresses after you leave an iTunes review, I make sure to delete them right after I send your sticker. I don't want anybody to think I want your addresses for anything else. But I'm more than happy to put up a post on our Facebook page where people can comment that they are interested, and then maybe you can exchange addresses with individuals, like in a Facebook instant message, or share your email and send your addresses that way, whatever you feel like is more secure. That way it's a little more direct, and you can control who you're giving your information out to. Just an idea. I'll throw the post up after I release this episode, and you guys can do what you like. Yay, mail! And now a word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. Hello, this is Todd Killian from the Christmas Collider Podcast. What makes Christmas special to you? Is it the movies or the music, the food or family, the gifts or decorations? Maybe those quiet moments of reflection. Whatever it is, join me for Christmas Clatter, a monthly podcast dedicated to everything that makes Christmas special. Visit christmasclatter.com for all social media links and find Christmas Clatter podcast on all podcast apps. Thank you. And remember, keep Christmas hope alive. Every day. And now it's time for today's main feature. Today, we'll be talking about a guy who's been described as the best friend a song ever had, to which I might also humbly add the best friend a Christmas song ever had, Nat King Cole. Thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like for you to pull up a chair and be my guest and sort of relax a bit. It's an extreme pleasure for me to visit with you tonight, and I hope to, within the next half hour or so, we can get to know each other a bit. You know, when you travel all around the world and meet all sorts of people, you become something of a philosopher. You know, like we all think that we are philosophers and we ask the same age-old questions. What is life? What's this all about? Where am I going? Where am I going to park? But here tonight, I'm glad that I found a place to park because right now I'd like to sing for you a very wonderful oldie entitled... Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose So I've looked at major Christmas singers before on the show, like Andy Williams and Bing Crosby, but Nat King Cole was different for me. Well, what's that supposed to mean, baby? Oh, Ghost Bing is back. What's different about me and Andy Williams? Well, no offense. When it's not Christmas, I never hear any Bing Crosby or Andy Williams music. I think I even said when I did those segments that I had never heard any of your non-Christmas songs before I looked into you for doing those segments. Well, we can't help it if you're uncultured. But I know a bunch of Nat King Cole stuff. I guess his music just sticks in the mind a little bit more. I guess you could say it's a little bit more, um... Memorable? No, I'm looking for another word. Unforgettable That's what you are Unforgettable Though near or far 
Nathaniel Adams Coles was born on March 17, 1919 in Montgomery, Alabama, and he actually started his musical life as a jazz pianist. He dropped out of high school at 15 and started a jazz sextet with his brother, Eddie Cole. He eventually moved to Los Angeles and started a jazz trio called the King Cole Trio, after the nursery rhyme, Old King Cole. This is where I have to say something personally embarrassing. I had no idea Nat King Cole wasn't his real name. I just thought it was an amazing coincidence that it fit with the rhyme scheme of the nursery rhyme. <laughs> Up until this point, Nat is not really singing. He's considered himself a jazz piano player. The story of how he made his transition to singer was dramatized by Nat himself in the movie The Nat King Cole Musical Story. Sure, you recognize that style. It belongs to one of the greatest jazz pianists of all time. A church organist in Alabama at 12, creator of his own band at 16, conductor of a musical review at 18, Nathaniel Adams Cole found himself obliged to develop quite a repertoire. Hymns to jazz and sonatas to swing. But his fame lagged far behind his musical dexterity. For many years, he considered himself very fortunate to receive $5 a night for his keyboard tipsickery in dozens of joints just like this one. Then in 1940. Come on, boy. Sing to me about that sweet little old rain, huh? Come on, what's the matter with you? I said sing. You know the words, Cole? Yes, but... Do like the man says. This guy spends as much as four bucks in here some nights. But you see, I just can't sing. Well, then you better learn how fast. just found joy now boy i'm as happy as a baby boy the trio scored their first big hit with a song that nat wrote called you ain't right in 1943 the next year they scored another big hit with straighten up and fly right a song based off one of nat king cole's father's sermons in 1946, the trio had a 15-minute radio show called the King Cole Trio Time. This was the first radio program to be sponsored by an African-American artist. This will be a phenomenon we will revisit later. That same year, Nat and his trio had a hit that you can hear at Cars Land in Disney's California, Get Your Kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66. Now you go through St. Louis. Joplin, Missouri, and Oklahoma City looks mighty pretty, you'll see. Well, I should say you could hear it at Disney's California as soon as they open again. <sighs> Bobby Troop wrote the song based on a cross-country trip from Pennsylvania to California on US-40 and then Route 66. Interestingly, he was originally going to write the song about Route 40, but in a scene very similar to how Mickey Mouse got his name, Bobby's wife Cynthia suggested the title Get Your Kicks on Route 66. Apparently wives are always standing by with better ideas. Maybe we should just let the wives be in charge of stuff. Just spitballing here. Anyway, Nat recorded the song in 1946. Then again in 1956 and 1961 for the albums After Midnight and the Nat King Cole story, respectively. Then there's the story of another of Nat's hit songs, Nature Boy. The song was written by Eden Abez, a homeless man who was living under the L in the Hollywood sign. Nat was performing at the Lincoln Theater in Los Angeles, and Abez wanted to get the song to him. He was pretty much ignored by Nat's manager, but he was able to leave the song with Nat's valet. I guess the valet had some serious pull with Nat, and he started performing it at shows. It got such a good reaction, he wanted to record it. But to do it, they needed to track down the guy who gave it to him. Fortunately, he was able to find him, and Nature Boy was a number one hit for eight weeks. There was a boy A very strange enchanted boy 
They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. But as a black artist in the 1940s and 50s, Nat King Cole faced more than his share of racism. In 1948, he bought a house in an all-white neighborhood in Los Angeles. Mind you, this is after all these hits and milestones I've been talking about. The community still sued to try and keep Nat King Cole from buying the house, but the suit was thrown out. The famously even-tempered Nat actually had a meeting with the community that didn't want him to move in. When they told him, basically, they didn't want any undesirables moving in, Nat replied, Neither do I, and if I see any undesirables coming in here, I'll be the first to complain. Sadly, his charm failed to win them over, and the Coles were continually harassed with burning crosses in their lawn, gunshots through their windows, and even the poisoning of their beloved family dog. But Nat and his family stayed put, and eventually won the neighbors over. Some of the very people who were trying to get Nat to leave were now bragging that they were his neighbors. In fact, the post office in that neighborhood was even renamed after him in 2003. Another notable incident was when Nat King Cole played a show in Birmingham, Alabama in 1956, and three men passed out racist images of him to the crowd and then stormed the stage and attempted to kidnap him. They were arrested before they could carry out their plan, but Nat's back was hurt pretty bad in the scuffle. He said of the incident, I can't understand it. I have not taken part in any protests, nor have I joined an organization fighting segregation. Why would they attack me? And that's part of how Nat actually got it from both sides. Statesments like that and the fact that he would play to his segregated crowds drew the ire of civil rights activists at the time. Being called a traitor and worse by the black press wounded Nat. He eventually joined the boycott on playing segregated venues, became an active member of the NAACP until the day he died, took a number of hotels to court for hiring him to perform but refusing to serve him or let his family get a room, and he played a significant role in the 1963 March on Washington. That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying You'll find that life is still worthwhile If you just smile In 1963, Nat became the first black entertainer to host a nationally televised weekly variety show with the premiere of the Nat King Cole Show on NBC. And although the show got excellent ratings, they were unable to find a national sponsor because, as Nat himself put it, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. The show only lasted one year. Although Nat was understandably disappointed, he continued to produce great work. As rock and roll started to dominate the pop charts, Nat went to Cuba to record an entire album in Spanish called Cole Español. Foreign audiences were still very much in love with Nat King Cole, so he did a lot of international touring. But he wasn't done getting love in America quite yet. In 1959, he won a Grammy for his performance of the song Midnight Flyer. His final top ten hit was The Hazy Crazy Days of Summer, which made it to number six in 1963. Sadly, that would be his last top 10 hit because he was tragically diagnosed with cancer in late 1964 and passed away in early 1965. Nat had been a smoker since he was 15 years old, and even though his family and friends tried to convince him to drop the habit, he felt he needed to continue smoking to give his voice its husky sound. I'm no doctor and I'm no multi-million dollar performing artist, but I've never heard a voice that was improved by smoking. So please don't start smoking. And if you already are, quit as soon as you can. Nat King Cole only lived to 45 years old. 
Now, in between the time he was diagnosed and when he checked into the hospital, he finished recording his final album, L-O-V-E, against his doctor's wishes. Apparently, he did this to ensure his family still had money coming in after he passed. The album was released shortly before his death and was very successful, so even at death's door, he was able to give his family and all of us one last gift of beautiful music. Love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game. Two, two, and love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Love was made for me and you. Love was made for me and you. But here's a trivia question. How many Christmas albums did Nat King Cole record? I don't know, like 20? Ah! I forgot you were here. Who are you asking the question to, then? It was just a rhetorical thing. Stop trying to be fancy and just tell me how close I was. Well, you were only off by 19. 19? Yep. Nat King Cole only recorded one album of Christmas songs in 1960, and it was called The Magic of Christmas. It had 14 songs. O Come All Ye Faithful, O Tannenbaum, O Little Town of Bethlehem, O Holy Night. He really liked songs that started with O. I Saw Three Ships. Ooh, he found a new vowel. A Cradle in Bethlehem, Away in a Manger, Joy to the World, The First Noel, Carol and Caroling, Silent Night, Deck the Halls, and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Wait, wait, wait. That's all the tracks? Yeah. I mean, I did them out of order for that hilarious O joke, but yeah, that's all the tracks. Aren't you missing a major Christmas song from Nat? I'm missing a few, actually. But you said he only made one Christmas album. That's true. He only made one full album of Christmas songs, but over the years, he released several Christmas singles, including the one you're probably thinking of, his 1949 cover of All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, two front teeth, two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. That was not the song I was talking about. Really? The guy who wrote it, Donald Yelter Gardner, reportedly said it was his favorite version of the song. Yes, but that's not the Nat King Cole Christmas song we're waiting to hear about. Ah, you must be thinking of his 1950 cover of Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal No, that's not what I'm thinking of. It peaked at number nine on the charts! Who cares about the charts, baby? You know the song I mean. Of course I do. I just had those other songs in my notes. I wanted to mention I mentioned them. <sighs> so, of course, you're referring to the song we started this segment with, The Christmas Song, sometimes referred to with its subtitle, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. It was written by Robert Wells and Mel Torme, and according to Torme, it was written in the sweltering hot heat of summer to help think of cool thoughts. He brought it to Nat, who loved it. He and his trio were all set to record the song, but Nat felt it needed more than just the three of them. It needed a string section behind them. His label, Capitol Records, wasn't having it and made him record without. After hearing the playback without strings, Nat dug his heels in and insisted that he be allowed to re-record it with strings. A few months later, he was allowed to do just that, but by with strings, I mean four string players, a harpist, and a drummer. 
Then, when the song was released in November of 1946, it went to number three on the pop and rhythm and blues charts. And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Capitol Records would release this version every year for the next seven years, and each time it would reach the top five. He re-recorded it in 1953 with a larger string section, and then again one final time in 1961, this time in stereo. And that's the version you're most likely to hear these days. They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh but actually, it wasn't the final version of Nat King Cole singing that song. But you said 1961 was the last time he recorded Did it. Did the ghost of Nat King Cole interrupt my episode on Bing Crosby? No. Hmm. Maybe you can learn a thing or two from him. Sorry. So yes, 1961 was the last time Nat recorded the song, but Nat had five children. One of them, Natalie Cole, grew up to be quite a successful singer in her own right. In 1991, she recorded an album of some of her father's greatest hits, including the song Unforgettable, where she actually combined her vocals with her father's vocals so it was like they were singing a duet. That's why, darling, it's incredible that someone so unforgettable thinks that I am unforgettable too. The song was a huge hit, and the song and album won multiple Grammys. So naturally, a few years later, she recorded a Christmas album. And one of the tracks she did, the same thing with the Christmas song, where she combined her vocals with her father's, this time with the London Symphony Orchestra backing it all up. It took more than 50 years, but Nat finally got his strings. Hold it, hold it, stop. Sorry to interrupt. You may notice my voice sounds different, because this is editing Tim, not recording the episode Tim. And after I've been listening to all these clips of Nat King Cole, I realized why I know them so much more than, like, say, the non-Christmas stuff of Bing Crosby or Andy Williams. My mom loves Nat King Cole. She used to play him all the time when I was a kid. In fact, we had that Natalie Cole album, Unforgettable, on a cassette in the car, and it would play practically on a loop. I heard that thing all the time, especially the duet of... Matt King Cole and Natalie King Cole, the unforgettable song. I heard that all the time. So, mystery solved. So I guess both my wife and I have moms with great taste in music. Thanks, moms. And thank you, Nat King Cole. Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas And speaking of the Christmas song, it's time for our final feature, Who Sang It Best? So we've talked a lot about the Christmas song, so I thought we'd pit two versions of it against each other today. Obviously, Nat and Natalie are disqualified because that wouldn't be fair. So let's meet our contestants! In the red corner, it's the legendary singer-songwriter who was so inspired by Nat King Cole, he repeatedly said that he ate Nat King Cole, slept Nat King Cole, drank Nat King Cole. Well, here he is singing Nat King Cole, Ray Charles! 
Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe You have to make the season right yeah. Tiny tots With their eyes all aglow Would find it hard the green corner it's the singer and actress dubbed most awarded female artist of all time by the guinness book of world records it's whitney houston although it's been said many times many ways merry christmas happy It's up to you to vote. Go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com where we have links to the songs on YouTube and you can cast your vote once a day, every day. Then we'll meet back here on June 25th and decide who sang it best. And that's our show. Again, apologies that we don't have a new episode of our made-for-podcast Christmas movie this time out, but we will almost certainly be back with the next installment in June. In the meantime, stay safe out there, take care of each other, keep social distancing, sending a big bowl of Christmas love to all of you. The next time we talk, it will be Leon Day. Halfway to Christmas, baby! But in the meantime, you old believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2020. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Fun fact, it is very hot here in the Christmas cave. 
Even though I'm recording this at 9 o'clock at night, it's still nice and warm in here, so... It's really hard to come up with those brr, wintry Christmas feelings when you're all hot, hot, hot. I am the chestnut roasting on an open fire. All right, let's do this, 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 this. Face masks, whoops. Two words into the segment and I've already messed up. <laughs> Face masks, whoops. So I scoured the web, the web? Yep, I found a web and I scoured it. Now it's all clean. This quote is from Agnes M. Parho. 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 I didn't look up how to pronounce these names. There's more than this. I'm going to be in trouble. Lots of names. Didn't know how to pronounce them. Wop, bop, bop, ba, bop, bop. We also got another note from another mail carrier who wishes to remain anonymous, so we'll just call him or her Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Eh, this is your friendly letter carrier listener. Love today's podcast. <laughs> nope, nope. It turns out I am not going to be able to do this in a Boston accent. Uh, I don't sound like, uh, what is his name? Ah, uh, the guy who's in all the Pixar movies. I can't think of his name. Write in if you're listening to the outtakes and <laughs> listening to me fumbling and bumbling over this guy's name. You may you can tell me what it is. I'm sure I'll... John Ratzenberger, too late, too late. Delete that email. I figured it out. I didn't look it up either. I just thought of it somehow. Just want you to know. I don't get internet reception very well in the Christmas cave, so I definitely didn't look it up. I didn't cheat. I promise. That way it's a little more direct and you can control who you're giving your information out to directly. Direct, direct, direct. I'm going to say direct 17 more times in the sentence. That's why you don't go off book, Tim. We did it. I can get out of this sweaty garage now. Ba 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 ba